Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. Well, good morning. Thanks to the walkers for sharing their story. You know, isn't it interesting? It doesn't just have to be about uh, giving, but when we have proximity to somebody that's going through something, it makes it a lot more personal, right? So they share their story about a cousin going on the mission field. It's like, oh, okay, things started to come into focus. You know, that's true though for us, like in regular life too, though. It's not just a church principle. Whenever we have proximity to somebody else that's going through something, it's now not like a political campaign issue, it's a personal deal, right? It's, it's not something that we read about in a blog or a stat online. It's something we know about. So I think that's one of the blessings that we have about living in life within community here with one another because uh, if we're isolated, we, we may be lulled into thinking, well, it didn't impact me, so it's not real. But the truth is every item or every issue is impacting somebody. So it's a blessing to be part of a faith family. And yes, even for the walkers to share about that of saying, you know, it makes a difference because they can be related to somebody that's going over there. And so I just encourage you live in proximity with people. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, if you have a note sheet, you could grab that. We're continuing this uh, series called The Church, Belonging and Becoming. How many people are thankful that the kids are back in school? Yeah, come on, that's some moms and dads right there. You know, maybe if you're now at the point where you get to stay home during the day, you can be glad too if the kids aren't running uh, in your yard anymore right now. But you know what it means when kids are back in school, winter's coming. That's what it means. I hate to break that news to you, but that is what it is. But it's a lot of fun, people getting back in their routines and schedules. And uh, looking forward to some of those things, a lot of things happening here at the church, Connect Lunch. My name is Derek. I'm the lead pastor here at Celebration. Connect Lunch, if you're new, we invite you to come with us, and I'll share a little bit of our story here at the church. But uh, also, if you just like to get more connected, you like to join a serve team or be in a community group, whatever it is, uh, we just really encourage you to live in proximity uh, with other people. And uh, just for the record, last week was kind of our back-to-school weekend, and um, I just want to say thanks for inviting people passing out those s'more the merrier invite cards and boxes. And hopefully it seemed like a lot of you really enjoyed those pictures out there with old Greeny, the truck, not the photographer. Uh, and uh, thanks to Pete Santovi for bringing that in. But uh, just to update, we don't really talk a whole lot about numerical attendance and those kind of things, but some people were asking, hey, you know, we passed out those boxes to f- neighbors, friends, coworkers. Did it make any difference? I just wanted to give you an update that last week, increase in in-person attendance last week from the week before was increase of 188 people last week alone that came to worship. So praise the Lord for that. So thanks for that. I know the week before was Labor Day, but why not do a mathematical stat right after that? (laughs) Praise the Lord. Stats will help you. Anyways, that's great to see that. But uh, next week, by the way, is another great week to bring somebody with you. Pastor Dan mentioned food, trucks, and football. I'll do my best to preach a little bit shorter because I know you're going to want to start watching the game anyway. So last week, I promised uh, to be done before the Vikings game started, and I make that commitment to you as well today. They play tomorrow night for those that didn't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, it's going to be fantastic. But, uh, and then the week after, uh, first weekend of October, um, I'm going to be spending time in prayer and fasting that week leading up to it. Going to have a special miracles service, preaching on healing and just believing for God to do what only he could do. So uh, I think every week is a great week to bring somebody to church, actually. Uh, there are no bad weeks. No matter what uh, we're focusing on uh, text-wise, it's always a good time to bring somebody to church. All right. If you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2. If you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning? For the reading of God's word. I'm getting through most of the rest of chapter 2 today. We left off after verse 11 last week, but I'm not going to start reading until verse 37, and I'll summarize those 20-some verses that we're uh, skipping ahead to. Verse 37, Acts chapter 2, week number 2 of our series called The Church Belonging and Becoming. The Bible reads like this, verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other disciples, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I've titled the message this morning, Proclaiming the Gospel. Um, just a little bit overwhelmed with a little bit of emotion while we were uh, in worshiping, I received a text that one of my pastor friends uh, in Nevada, his wife, has just entered her final resting place after battling brain cancer over the last year and uh, in her 40s. And so I just uh, want to lift them up as well here this morning. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for being near to us through the finished work of your son Jesus on the cross of Calvary. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we ask that you be faithful to your word once again. Would you be close to the brokenhearted? Those find themselves this morning at an emotional deficit, whether it was activities of the week or events even of this morning. We thank you that you hear us and that you're with us. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in each of our lives today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh you know what? I forgot the other thing too. Can you throw me the Mentos, Pastor Dan? Uh, nope, that's Altoids. Mentos. There we go. How bad is Pastor's breath? You mind your business. It was a sermon illustration last week, all right? Hopefully everybody got some of those Mentos last week. If you missed it, I think they're all gone. But anybody go home and do the science experiment last week with it? Three of you, that's awesome. Zero in the first service did it. Uh, on the way home, uh, Lincoln was eating my wife's sleeve of Mentos and she was like... Um, why did you eat them all? And Lincoln said, it was for Jesus. <laughs> Amen. So that's an interesting deal. I don't know where he gets those kind of ideas. But, uh, you know, so each week we're trying to come up with something to kind of give you something to remember, uh, a simple truth to highlight and illustrate that. So last week was the Mentos. And this week we have um, a megaphone. Won't forget that, will you? Okay, praise the Lord, you know. And uh, so we've got this today, and I'm uh, going to talk a little bit about that. As we're talking about amplifying uh, the message, proclaiming the gospel. So uh, hopefully you have a note sheet, and I'm going to get right to that. Number one, 
We're talking about the gospel all day today. Um, But the gospel speaks clearly. Very simply, this was Peter's response to these who said, you know, what did all that mean? What happened? And Peter gave a clear presentation of the gospel. It says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Now, there was a lot of verses there that you could go back and read, kind of from starting at verse 5 all the way to, as I said, 36. Um, this was all about Pentecost. If you missed last week, let me give you just a little short summary. Uh, the, the believers had gathered together in the upper room. They'd been praying for 10 days. They didn't know how long it would be, but they were just praying. They were doing what Jesus told them to do. Go and wait, and I'll, I'll send the Holy Spirit, and I'll, you'll receive power that you'll go and be my witnesses. And, and so they got together and they prayed, and prayer was the catalyst for unity. They had, earlier, the disciples had been fighting about who was the greatest and who's better than him, and I want to be there. And then they got together and they prayed, and it was no longer about am I better than him. It was like we all need the help of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting, friends, that the Holy Spirit doesn't make you better than somebody else. He makes you better than you used to be on your own. And so they were all together. They were praying for the help of the Holy Spirit. And then the day of Pentecost came and all of a sudden they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled completely full. They removed the lid and the Holy Spirit exploded out of their lives. They began to speak in other tongues and people from all over the world who had gathered together heard them talking in their own language. And they were like, how can this be? They don't know our language and yet they're declaring the wonders of God. And I skipped this verse last week because it's a little bit of a weird one to preach. They were like, are these people drunk on wine? (laughs) Which is a little of a confusing conclusion to come to, if you ask me, because I've never met somebody drunk that was speaking a bunch of different languages. You know what I mean? I needed an interpretation because I didn't know what they were saying. But these men and women were articulate. These other nations that are people from other nations and languages that heard the gospel in their own language. And they were like, tell us more about that. So what did Peter do? He explained to them the gospel in a way that they could understand. He went back and he talked about the prophet Joel and he spent some verses in there earlier in chapter two. If you have time this week, you can take a look. And he's like, this is what Joel prophesied about, that in the last days, the spirit of God would be poured out. This is, these men and women are not not drunk on wine. It's in the morning. This is the power of God. And Joel said that his power would be distributed to men and women, to the old and the young, that this is those days that he talked about. This is what you're experiencing. And he was telling these God-fearing Jews, we read about in verse five, it says there were God-fearing Jews from all over the place. So they had knowledge of the Old Testament prophet Joel. So he began to explain the gospel, the good news in right where they were. Then he talked about King David. So these people had Bible knowledge, they had scriptural knowledge, and they would have understood what was going on. But I just think it's so great that Peter went from denying Jesus three times to when the power of the Holy Spirit came on his life, now he spoke the gospel clearly to people who were wondering. Now, later we're going to read that 3,000 people got saved that day and joined the Big C Church of Jesus Christ. But it wasn't too much earlier that Peter was so ashamed of Jesus that he denied him to a little middle school girl. Now, we've got a 10-year-old girl and a 13-year-old girl in our house. And I can confidently tell you, I'm not scared of them. 
How bad was Peter's life that he was scared of a middle school girl? (laughs) I mean, think about that. He cussed saying, I don't know that man. And now, just a little bit later, having been filled so full with the Holy Spirit, he preaches with boldness. I submit to you, not only did Peter need the help of the Holy Spirit to preach with boldness, you and I need the help of the Holy Spirit as well. Because Jesus said, we're supposed to go into all the world and the only way we could do it is if we receive his power to be witnesses, amen? Amen. So uh, he, he... began the gospel explanation right where the people were at. He knew what those God-fearing Jews understood and he began to speak there, but he didn't just leave it as a historical conversation. Peter told them about Jesus. So he said, well, you've heard what Joel talked about in King David, but then he brought it to Jesus. I wanna say it this way. It's not a gospel presentation or gospel proclamation if it isn't about Jesus. We need to make it culturally relevant and contextualized, but if the message is just about how to be happy and wealthy and it's not about Jesus, that's not the gospel, right? Right? If it's just, oh, I've heard a song, you might've heard it. No, 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 it's always gotta come back to Jesus. Jesus is the one who saves. Jesus is the one who heals. Jesus is the one who delivers. It's always got to be about Jesus, but he started where the people were at. And he brought them to Jesus. Look at what he says, verses 22, 23, 32, 33, just four short verses. And we read a clear gospel presentation because the gospel always speaks clearly. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, signs, and wonders, which God did among you through him as yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. God raised this Jesus back to life, and now we are all witnesses of it, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. In those four short verses, we see a clear and succinct gospel presentation that Jesus came, lived a perfect life, performed signs and wonders, was crucified on the cross, not because of his sin, but of yours and mine, but he didn't stay dead. God raised him back to life, and now he's at the right hand of the Father. It might be slightly more than a 15-second testimony, but it's pretty close. (laughs) You know, earlier this year, we talked about that that 15-second testimony. Remember that, right, where you say, there was a time in my life when I was scared, I was selfish. And just think of two words to describe your life before Jesus. And then Jesus came and he saved me and he set me free. And now I wake up every day with hope and purpose. You only have to really think of six words. What was your life like before Jesus? (laughs) What was the change Jesus made? And now what you get to do to live for him every day. That's the message of the gospel. It doesn't have to be much longer than that. It doesn't have to be much more involved than that, but I would say it does need to be that. You don't have to say a lot, but you do have to say something. That's really the important thing, right? You don't have to say a lot, but you do have to say something. This is, uh, you know, the megaphone and... We do have a siren. I won't hurt your ears too long for that, but it's on off and I'm gonna put it on talk. But I've learned something. 
that it doesn't talk for you. It amplifies what you say. I've got batteries in it. It's on talk. And if I take these 15 seconds... And don't say anything. There was nothing to amplify. So you don't have to say much, but you do have to say something. Peter understood his audience. So he began his gospel presentation with something that they would know and understand, Old Testament references. Perhaps there was need for sound amplification that day. It, it does work. When you talk into it, it'll make it louder, right? Like it, it does work, but only if you say something. And I want to say that all of us have times in our life where we need to be louder so that we can be heard. Our world right now has so many voices clamoring and calling for people's attention. And one of my prayers for today is that through the help of the Holy Spirit, that our words, our testimony, our gospel proclamation would be amplified to those around us. But you got to understand your audience, right? Like if somebody's a long way off, it might make sense. You, Hey, Dexter, can you wave at everybody from the back? See that he lives close by me and that's nice. And he, everybody can see because I'm using this. But now, Dexter, can you come up here uh, in front of everybody? I, I know it's, it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, you, Dexter. Come on, let's give him a hand, everybody, because he's coming forward. This is great. Okay. Yeah, come on all the way up, Dexter. This is great. Because sometimes we need to be louder so that we can be heard. But you know, there are times where we're so loud that we also can't be heard. If, if I'm close with Dexter, or we're meeting for coffee or over the backyard fence, and I use a megaphone to talk to Dexter like this. By the way, if your hearing's out, I'd like to invite you to prayer gathering tomorrow night. We're praying for healing every week. It's amazing. And what? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like in some instances, we need to be louder so that we can be heard. And in some instances, some people are too loud to be heard. So we need to understand the situation. When we're in conversation with somebody, have a conversation. Don't yell at them. Because the gospel speaks clearly. He understood me clearly. That's why he came forward. The longer I would have yelled in his ear with this um, megaphone, it probably would have become less and less clear. So we need to understand the situation because the gospel speaks clearly. My question for us today is, are we speaking clearly? Because the gospel sometimes needs to be louder so it can be heard, but other times we might need to be quieter (laughs) so that we can be heard. Amen? Come on, let's give Dexter a hand. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. probably another illustration. Some of us, our megaphone is stuck on siren and we're just walking around. Just anyway, that's a whole different problem, right? But it's simple, but not silent. I'll say it this way. I wrote it down. I would encourage you to do so as well. The gospel always says the same thing, but it often sounds different. The gospel always says the same thing, but it often sounds different different. 
Think of it this way. Even at our church, we have age-appropriate right programming. So we've got kids' ministry and middle school, high school, adults. We've got uh, Spanish, Espanol, Francophone, and French. We, we, we uh, trans, uh, interpret it for the deaf. We, we've got all these different languages or communication and, and different things, but it's always got to be the same gospel. So for all of us, when, when we're encountering our neighbor, a kid from school, a coworker, we don't get to change the message. In fact, we can't. Because if we change the message, it's no longer the gospel. It's just feel good, it's your opinion, it's my opinion. And newsflash, friends, our opinions don't save anybody. And most likely our opinions help less people than we think, <laughs> but they sure don't save anybody. We can't change the message. It's the gospel. It's always got to say the same thing, but it will often sound different. I might say it this way. The, the gospel always says the same thing, but it often should sound different. This is something we all wrestle with because we tend to, humans tend to think Get off me, megaphone. Uh, we tend to think the gospel should sound the same as when I heard it. But the gospel needs to sound the way they'll hear it. So really, it's a, it's a waste of our time to sit here and say, oh, well, why don't kids hear it the same way I did? Because they don't speak in King James language. And I don't think any of you were around in 1611 either. <laughs> but I grew up, you know, here in the King James Bible, and, 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 and I thought everybody had a lisp back then, but it turned out it was just my youth pastor and the King James Bible. I don't know, you know, so it's okay. It, it, it's got to be the same message. What's the message? It's Jesus and Jesus alone. There's no other way that we're saved. There's no other one who can heal, set free, deliver. It's Jesus and Jesus alone, but it's got to sound different. So yes, there's going to be some different activities or different things, but the focus is not those things. The focus must be the gospel. We understand this when, when people say yes to serve the Lord around the world and they may go to a new culture or a new, new context, a new country. We're like, oh, it makes sense. They need to learn that language so that they can tell the good news. They can witness. They can testify to the wonders of God to people so they can understand them. The same really can be true in a lot of our lives. People you work with, they may speak the same language, but they need, may need to hear it differently. And I would just submit this to the church and then I'll move on to the next page. <laughs> if you've been saying it one way and it ain't working, maybe try saying it a different way. <laughs> I'm always amazed when I see people uh, who are unfamiliar with other languages other cultures. Saying it louder and slower, friends, is not going to help. <laughs> I want to go to the bathroom. Like they're not deaf. They probably heard you the first time. They just don't speak English. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a, just yelling it louder or saying it slower isn't going to change it. And therefore, since we cannot change the message, can't water down the gospel, a watered-down gospel is no gospel at all. Since we can't change the message, maybe we change the approach. So I, for one, am praying because the more I hear from 
you know, uh, my kids and the schools are in, I'm pretty convinced I don't have a clue really how to reach them. I just, on, like, they'd say things, they're like, Dad, we don't, that, that's an old phrase. I'm like, I just learned it. They were like, yeah, you're old. I'm like, okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> even, even last night, my 13-year-old daughter, she's at a retreat this weekend, other pastor kids, and she said, what are you preaching on tomorrow? Good luck with it. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm going to receive that as an encouragement, you know? And, and uh, she said, do you have a, um, a prop? Because those are better when you have them. <laughs> it's like, man, tough times with the kids, you know, but you seem to love them too. But anyway, um, so what I'm doing is I'm praying that God will raise up other students, other leaders who can understand and, and speak that language. Because how many people know teenager is a different language? Yeah. And so we need to pray, God, would you raise up other people who will speak that language so that they could proclaim the same message? And we all need to not only accept it, but we need to celebrate it when it sounds different than how we received it. You know, the truth is, I'm really thankful for different gospel presentations than how I got saved. I gave my heart to Jesus Christ at the age of three and a half in my bedroom. So far, so good. The weird thing is, is that it was, I was listening to something called a gospel duck tape. It was a cassette tape. I'll explain that to some of you later. But it was like the Christian version of Donald Duck. And so there was a dude on the tape, and he was like, if you need to be forgiven, you know <laughs> Dear Jesus, I was like, dear Jesus, you know, like, aren't you glad you don't need Christian Donald Duck to get saved today, amen, right? And so it's easy for me to think about it, and yet I can hold on to the way church was when I grew up, because I'm familiar with it, I'm used to it, and I can look at kids, and I'm going, what are they doing? And by the way, it's a good question, what are they doing? But we just need to pray that God will raise them up to speak their own language, to proclaim the same message, amen? Because the gospel always speaks clearly. Number two, you see it there on your notes, um, the gospel demands response. The gospel proclamation is always more than just an intellectual discourse. And it demands a response one way or another. They had heard the message and they said, well, what are we supposed to do about it? And Peter told them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Now, for the record, I want to just make clear here today that it's the gospel that demands a response, not us. All right, megaphone. Again, some people are like, you know, they're out there telling the gospel and then they want to yell at everybody. Jim, you got to make a decision right now. Turn or burn. This is your time. I demand a I don't think we're helping. Some of you were just blessed by that turn or burn, weren't you? That was fantastic. Is it quoting Top Gun or Old Testament? I don't know. <laughs> we don't demand a response because we're not the ones saving people. We don't demand a response. We're simply participating in what Jesus is doing. The Holy Spirit's drawing people, right? So, so the, the gospel demands a response, but we shouldn't be doing that. We're not trying to pressure people into it. It's the good news. It's not forced news. 
right? Like we don't have to force people into this. It's good news. Um, He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. This is a decision that each and every person has to make for themselves. We, We don't make it for other people. Each and every person must do it. But I'm so thankful that the promise is not just for a select few. The promise is not just for a couple here or there. The promise is for everybody. He said the promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. Well, every time I've read that this morning, I'm just so overwhelmed with thoughts and emotions and prayers as I I think about the list of people that I'm praying. Some of them are your sons and daughters or, or people in our community, friends and family in my life, those who are far off. I was just reminded again this week, that promise is still for them too. Come on, it's not just for you and me and we're here and it's fine and us four and no more. No, it's for all who are still far off. God, save them by your grace in Jesus' name. For all whom the Lord our God will call. I'm so thankful that everyone who hears the proclamation of the gospel is eligible to receive forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit, that it's a promise we can all count on. You know, there are lots of conversations that people have. Many of them um, don't really matter. Right? In our our house, um, our eight-year-old son, Lincoln, he's got a lot of words, which is a little weird because he's got two sisters and a dad who talks for a living. So I don't know how he, you would think one of them would be quiet, but it's not him. Um, and, and he, it, it, sometimes we just tell him he needs to go lay on the couch with his iPad. You can judge us, but that's just where we're at with the help of the Holy Spirit, okay? So sometimes put your headphones on, go lay on the couch with the iPad, you know, because it's really his sanity or ours at that point, you know, and, um, but he's in this thing where he just, he always, he wants to talk about everything, and I know people are like, oh, be glad, because there's later, he might not talk about anything, I'm like, we'd like to try that season, you know, but, <laughs> but, but he just feels like he needs to tell us everything, you know, for lunch, this is what I had. And I, I said one thing to one kid on the playground and we won at recess. And then I said, you can't beat me boy. And like, it's just like, that's a lot of information. You know what I mean? Like, and so, so he's having some alone time on the couch with the headphones and the iPad and he will voice text to us the thoughts that he's having. And, you know, I'm just, so Dana, my wife, she's trying to like teach him, you know, just cause you have a thought doesn't mean you have to say it. And he was like, dad does. And I was like, you mind your business. You know what I mean? You mind your business. You're eight years old and you don't pay the mortgage. You leave me out of this. But she's trying to teach him, you know, not everything is really worth talking about. By the way, there's some adults that haven't learned that lesson either, but that's a whole nother sermon that I don't have time for right now. But here's one conversation that we cannot afford to be quiet about. It's the gospel. See, like a lot of people, they'll talk about, oh, well, what, are you, what did you have for dinner last night? What are you going to have tomorrow? Guess what? You can have that conversation every day because no matter what you ate yesterday, you're going to want something the next day. You can talk about, oh, did your team win or not? And what, guess what? It's only one team really wins at the end of the year. There's a lot of conversations that we have that don't matter. We cannot miss the one conversation that does matter. It'll matter forever. It's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the proclamation of the gospel. It's the only one that will matter 
forever. So let's be sure, let's be certain to have the conversations that matter most. I love what Peter said in verse 24. He he had said, God raised Jesus from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I think that's a great place to begin with people these days as the agony of death seems to have been on the forefront of so many people's awareness these last couple of years. Why not tell them about the one that death cannot keep down? And by the way, if people have not yet surrendered their life to Jesus, they've not been saved forever, it shouldn't surprise us when they get really concerned and live in fear with temporary things. Because if you're not sure about eternity, then the temporary is all you have. By the same way, uh, or the, same, the opposite is true, if our eternity has been secure, if we've been saved and we know that we'll spend eternity with him, we shouldn't get too worked up about the temporary. The Bible says it's just life's but a miss. It's like here one day, then gone tomorrow. I'm not saying the temporary doesn't matter. I'm saying it doesn't matter for very long. <laughs> like, so, so when we encounter somebody who's freaking out, Perhaps that's a moment to tell them about the one that death couldn't even hold them down. It's our Savior who was crucified, who was buried in a borrowed tomb, and God who raised him from the dead in just three days. The gospel demands a response, but we don't have to be the one to get it out of people. Amen? All right, number three. I'm trying to preach shorter, getting ready for next week. but I still got two pages, so don't worry about it. I said trying, I didn't say actually doing. Okay, number three, the gospel is what changes lives. The gospel changes lives. Says with many other words, Peter was my kind of preacher. (laughs) Could have said it in fewer words, but he used many other words. I like that dude. (laughs) With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. By the way, I say this not just because you're here, but maybe, you know, some of you won't be or you'll move or whatever. You want a pastor who will warn you and plead with you to avoid the pitfalls in this life. You don't want a pastor who will just tell you, oh, you're fine in what you're doing. You don't want a spiritual leader that comforts you in the middle of your poor decisions. You want somebody, you you want, you know, take it to parenting. You want parents who will correct you, who will warn you, who will plead with you. Don't do this. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Peter was no longer preaching about the salvation of their souls, but the transformation of their lives. Earlier in the message, he preached that it was Jesus alone. Jesus crucified. Jesus is who saves and forgives us. So what in the world is he talking about? Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Surely Peter, who had just walked with Jesus, is not insinuating a a list of good works in order to achieve a level of salvation in ourselves. We're not God. We can't save ourselves. We can't save other people. So what was he talking about? This gospel message was after salvation, now talking about transformation. What he was saying is that now that you've been saved, now that you've been forgiven, go and live differently. 
This is uh, part of a message that has been missing in many pulpits in our nation. It's part of the reason why we find ourselves in the condition that we do today. It's gospel or Christianity like that. It's like Jesus as your savior, but not as your Lord. It's really not enough to just say, I want to be forgiven so I don't go to hell. The gospel also brings transformation to how we live our everyday lives. Another way to say it is that, I've mentioned this before, but that salvation happens in a moment. It's a decision, right? I mentioned when I was three and a half years old, I remember that decision like it was yesterday when I I knelt down on the side of my bed and I prayed, asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. Some of you are like, how much sin could he have had at three and a half? Ask my mom. (laughs) He saved me from my sin at three and a half. The other day she told me something I did. I was like, I don't even remember that. She's like, I do. You know, anyway, so that's enough about my sin problems. But how about yours? Okay, no, so we, we want to think about that moment, right? It was a decision in a moment. Many of us, we may have raised our hand in a service or we may have walked forward. We may have prayed in a car with a friend. I remember that my friend Phil, as we prayed in his car in his driveway, he said, I want to give my life to Jesus. We can all, uh, we should think back to those moments for those of us that have given our lives to Jesus. It changed in a moment. It was just one decision. We didn't have to repeatedly pray that prayer. We don't have to get up every day. God, save me again. I don't know if you did yesterday, we can be sure that if we've received his forgiveness, we've confessed our sin, we've received his forgiveness, we're saved and we'll spend eternity with him. It's not this slippery slope like, oh, I had one bad thought, now I have to get saved again. You don't need to be saved again, you need to be forgiven and transformed again, right? Right? So we're saved in a moment, salvation's in a moment, it's one decision, but sanctification That process of being transformed, being more like, becoming more like Christ. By the way, the series is called The Church Belonging and Becoming. It wasn't an accident. I didn't Google. (laughs) My wife and I talked and prayed, and I said, we need to talk about belonging because people are trying to live without the church and becoming. Because it's not just enough to get saved, you need to be transformed. And that happens for a lifetime. Salvation's one moment. We could think back, this date. Remember when Pastor Tang, he said it was this date in this church. I remember where I was when I got saved. It's in a moment. But after that one moment, we need to change our direction. That sanctification happens for the rest of our life. You know, even as your pastor, I'm still walking that process of sanctification. I'm in that direction. It's not the end point of our journey, right? Salvation in that decision, it's the starting point. And then what did Jesus say? He said, follow me. Therefore, we continue to follow him until we're united with him forever at the throne of the Father. Amen? So it's this sanctification that happens for a lifetime. The apostle Paul would explain it this way to the church in Rome. Do not, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of the world. Peter said, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. He's saying, don't keep following the way that leads to death. Right? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is important, right? Um, that, That we have this way that leads to life. I hear this so often these days, and they're like, oh, you know, I'm not into those rules of your religion. Those rules are just trying to keep me from having fun. 
right? But, but that couldn't be further from the truth. These rules are not to keep us from having fun. They're really to help us keep our joy, <laughs> right? Because if it's not fun the next morning, it wasn't fun the night before. I know that's not popular preaching, but I don't have a Bible verse to back that up specifically, but trust me, that's from the council of the whole of Scripture. <laughs> this is what David said in verse 28. Peter was quoting him, and that's what's in verse 28. He said, you have made known to me the paths of life. You know, not every path leads to life. Not all free acts lead to freedom. There's a number of free acts that will lead you to bondage. There's a number of free acts. You, you're an American, go ahead, you can do what you want. You can do what you want, but, but you might not should want to. <laughs> you shouldn't do them all. I don't know what that English was. <laughs> I'll put the siren on again, don't make fun of my English. <laughs> this is what he said. Not only have you made known to me the paths of life, you will fill me with joy in your presence. I'm just telling you, friends, living for Jesus is the best thing you can do with your life. You'll never have more joy than when you're following him. The gospel shows you the paths of life, the paths that lead to blessing and protection instead of harm and destruction. David said he didn't have less fun on the path, but he had more. He was filled with joy. What do we know? Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Make sure you find yourself on the path of life this morning. You know, earlier I mentioned that the gospel is at home in every culture. The gospel doesn't need to be apologized for. The gospel is at home in every culture. It works for English-speaking, French, Spanish, different nations, right? The gospel's at home in every culture. But I also need to tell you that the gospel is at odds with every culture. Because the gospel changes lives. You don't get to live for yourself anymore if you've really received the gospel. You don't get to live how you want to if you've really received the gospel. Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. It's not about what we want or even what we like anymore. That's one of the reasons we need to pray. Because in times of prayer, our desires are molded to his desires. It's not that he changes his mind and now all of a sudden he does what we want. No, but when we pray with him, we begin to realize he is good. His ways are higher than my ways. He knows more and he knows what's best for me. And Lord, in this time of prayer, we're unified with him. And all of a sudden we begin to want the things that he wants. The gospel's at odds with every culture because the gospel, yes, says come as you are, but it also says don't stay where you started. Everybody comes to Jesus just as we are. But the message of the gospel says, don't stop. Don't stay where you start. Keep moving in that direction. So it's the gospel that brings conviction to areas of our lives that need to change. Now, sometimes that comes through the guidance of spiritual leaders, but really mostly it just comes directly from the word of God. 
One of the Holy Spirit's jobs is to convict you, but never to condemn you. Paul said it this way, again to the church in Rome, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit's going to convict you. Well, you shouldn't do that. You should go this way. You should do that. You know, he, we want him to convict us. In fact, I'm never concerned when the Holy Spirit convicts me. I'm concerned when it's been a long time since I felt any conviction at all. Because as long as we feel his conviction, we're still moldable. We're still pliable. We're still listening. Uh, we're being sensitive to his leading, right? So he's always, we want him to always bring conviction, but we know he'll never bring condemnation. So friends, I, I plead with you this morning. I warn you, don't measure yourselves according to the actions of those around us. But live according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I warn you and I plead with you, don't lower yourselves to the standards of this world. Don't live according to that pattern, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind and live according to the word of God. Amen? All right, I'm going to close. You see it there on the bottom of the notes. The team's going to come back and lead us in a song of response here in a moment. But I just want to mention that it's the gospel that grows the church. And I want to say that whenever the gospel goes forth, the church always grows. They go hand in hand. You cannot grow the church without the gospel. <laughs> and wherever the gospel is, the church will also be. Amen. Verse 41 says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Amen. It, it's really that simple. It's kind of like a one verse church growth explanation. I don't know if people are still doing church growth seminars anymore, but we just email them this one verse and save everybody the airfare. You've got to preach the message. People got to accept the message. People get baptized and the church grows. Thanks for coming. See you next week. You know, like that, that's just, that's it. It's one verse, but it, it's really there. And, and if you noticed, I did put a capital C church there. Maybe you're newer to church, you don't really know what that means. We'll often refer to Celebration Church, this church, but, but when you see a capital C church, what we're referring to is the global church of Jesus Christ. Not just the one that meets on Kenyon Avenue, not just the ones that meet in the South Metro, not just the ones across our state or our country, but yes, even around the world where believers have gathered, centered around one name, the name of Jesus, to lift high that mighty and matchless name of Jesus. And that church, the church of Jesus, grows the same way here in America as it does in Africa, as it does in Europe, Estonia, it does South America. The church grows the same way everywhere. It's when the gospel is preached and the gospel is accepted and it's put into practice. Oh, sure, in Estonia, we got Missionaries that are presenting the gospel with a coffee cart. In Africa, the gospel being presented in villages under trees. In the South Twin Cities, we got the gospel being presented in buildings and spaces. But wherever the gospel is presented, wherever the gospel is proclaimed, wherever we lift high with our voice the mighty name of Jesus, when we tell others what he has done for us, the church grows. Nowhere that the gospel is proclaimed is the church on the decline. There's not one instance 
of gospel proclamation that hindered the growth of the church. There's not one instance. You'll never find it. People may be scattered. I'm going to talk about that. We'll preach about that. (laughs) People may be split up in other areas, but the church always grows when the gospel is proclaimed. Water baptism, he said people accepted the message, they repented, and they were baptized. Our next time of water baptism is October 30th. If you're here, you've said yes to Jesus, but you've never been baptized in water, we want to invite you to join with us on October 30th and be baptized in water. It's another fifth Sunday coming up. We're going to have Spanish and Espanol and Francophone, and it's going to be an awesome day. We're going to celebrate what God is doing. I'm going to preach on salvation and water baptism again that day, but you can be there. My dad said water baptism is soaking wet proof of a changed life. We're going to celebrate some soaking wet proof next month. Amen. So we always see that. We we talked about 188 increase in attendance. And you know, I'm thankful for what God did last week. But I've been praying this week, what would it look like if 3,000 people in one day said yes to Jesus? Not not just in our church, because the truth is, I don't think we're ready for 3,000 people in one day to go from darkness to light. I don't think we've got systems in place or, or facilities that can handle but, but it, but I have been praying. God, what would a city look like if 3,000 people in one day heard such a powerful proclamation of the gospel that the ministry of the Holy Spirit was so undeniable that 3,000 people, I said, God, what would our city look like? What would other cities look like? See, I, I've been praying this week for the church, not just ours, but the church. In a time where it seems like some loud voices are saying the church is on the decline and the church will never be the same, I'm praying, God, would you build your church? That's what Jesus said, right, in Matthew chapter 16 and 18. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail. So I've been praying this week, God, help me be part of what you're doing. What's he doing? He's building his church. And we see it in scripture and we see it today. The way he builds his church is through the proclaiming of his gospel. Not in what we've done, but in what he has done. So I've been praying, God, what would our cities look like if we got so serious about this? The 3,000 people. God, what would our nation, what would the nations of the world look like if 3,000 people in one day went from darkness to light? God, build your church. And let it begin here with us. Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes here this morning? I want to pray before we respond. For those watching online, in a moment, we'll have prayer partners available. But you're here today. You're in the room. You've heard this message about proclaiming the gospel. And I want to pause before I pray for everybody else. And I want to pray with you. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Derek, there's sin in my life. I'm not right with God. If I were to die tonight, I don't know where I'd spend eternity What does all this mean? I share with you the words of Peter. I say, repent today. Receive forgiveness of your sin. Walk in the paths of life. Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And today you can join with those in the first service, probably many watching online. 
said, yes, I need to be forgiven. And today you can leave a brand new person. You don't have to leave dead in your sin. You don't have to leave stuck in your routine, in your religious obligations. Today you can leave free. You can leave whole. You can leave, the Bible says, as a new creation, way better than a do-over. You can be made new. And today as we talk about the power of the gospel, in a moment, I'll ask you to lift your hand when I count to three and you'll say, that's me. I need that power of the gospel of Jesus in my life today. I need to be forgiven. I'm one of those who's been far off. We've been praying for you, friend. The Holy Spirit's been working in your life. You didn't make your way here today on accident. You're not here by chance or happenstance. You're here today to receive the greatest miracle of all, you know, we've been praying for miracles and for cancer to be gone and arthritis and Parkinson's and provision. We've been praying for all these miracles. There's no greater miracle than the saving of your soul, to be forgiven of your sin. It's the greatest miracle. It's the only one that will last forever. Those that were healed of a sickness today will still one day die. Those who may have received provision will one day still be in need again. But if you're forgiven today, You'll be forgiven forever in Jesus' name. So if that's you in a moment, when I count to three, I'm asking you to lift your hand. I'm gonna recognize it. You're gonna lift it high. You're gonna lift it with boldness and we're gonna pray together. Then after I pray with you, I'm gonna pray for everybody else as we're on this process of sanctification. But before we get to them, I pause here for you. Those watching online, prayer partners are ready, but you're here. When I count to three, that's you. Say, that's me, pastor. I need to be forgiven. I wanna walk the paths of life today in Jesus' name. If that's you, would you lift your hand? One, two, three. Come on, all across the house. Lift it up. Thank you. Thank you. You, put it, you can put it back down, but I just want to wait another moment. Come on, people saying yes to Jesus. This is my day in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this out loud. Would you repeat after me? Say, dear Jesus. Come on, everybody in the room. Say, dear Jesus, here's my life. I give it to you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for helping me today. Do what I could not do for myself to be forgiven forever. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord this morning for saving grace and, and goodness today? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm gonna ask everybody to stand if you're able, but I, I just wanna pray today. I asked the first service and I'm gonna pray for you as well. How many people say, and I'm lifting my hand first, I, I want a Holy Spirit boldness for my words to be amplified this week, that, that the gospel would go forth. I'm gonna pray. Father, I'm praying for every person with their hand lifted, maybe they wanted to, their hearts are lifted to you. Would you amplify our voices this week for the proclamation of your gospel? Not in what we've done or what we could do for others, but what you have done for us. I pray that you'd help some become louder so that they could be heard. Lord, I also pray for those who've been so loud, too loud, they couldn't be heard. Help them through the help of the Holy Spirit communicate your gospel. Father, I pray for a great wave of your spirit, not just in our church and in this area, but all across this land that people would come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior today. And we pray it in Jesus' name.
We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.